Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer. And today in the podcast, we're going to talk about how old is too old to be president? That's going to be a little bit of a change of pace. We're not going to have a political figure on here today to talk about that. We're going to have a geriatrician. Our guest is Dr. Louise Aronson. She's a professor of medicine at the University of California, San Francisco, and author of the new New York Times bestselling book called Elderhood, Redefining Aging, Transforming Medicine, Reimagining Life. We talk with Dr. Aronson about what are some of the factors that come into play when you are older, how it affects your body, how it affects your mind, and what should we be concerned about? And now, here's my conversation with Dr. Louise Aronson. Dr. Louise Aronson, welcome to It's All Political. I would say welcome to the city of St. Francis, but you live here. You, I do live here. Yeah. I am a fifth-generation San Francisco. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I know. Wow, that's, that's, that's almost like gold rush time. I right? know, it is. Wow. <laughs> now, you we, let's go. You are not of the political world. You are a, sort of an atypical guest on the podcast. You are a geriatrician. I am. A, a professor of medicine, University of California, San Francisco, and author of the new book called Elderhood, Redefining Aging, Transforming Medicine, and Reimagining Life. Now, the reason I invite you on to our little podcast here is that we have had several presidential candidates who are senior citizens and there have been veiled and not so veiled comments and concerns about their age. And to review, Bernie Sanders is 78. Joe Biden will turn 77 by the time uh, everybody's listening to this. Uh, President Trump is 73. Elizabeth Warren is 70. And we soon may have another Democratic candidate, 79-year-old Michael Bloomberg. Now, the question I hear a lot and it is discussed a lot, and, and I have I fumble for the answers often, uh, what should we be concerned about, if anything, about these candidates who are in their 70s? Well, it's interesting because old age now is very different than it's always been. So is it true that the older you are, the greater your chances of dying? Yes. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's a four-year term. Some people hope for eight. Um but really, if you look at the curve of death, there's some early death, and then it's pretty low. And then in our 50s, it starts creeping up, and it goes a little higher in our 60s, and then it really starts getting kind of serious in our 70s and, and thereafter because human mortality holding steady at 100%. Um, that's my medical uh, information there. Um, <laughs> so being old matters in that you are at higher risk for both death and disease. On the other hand, what we like to say in geriatrics is if you've seen one 80-year-old, you've seen one 80-year-old. So There's no you, – there, you can't make any blanket Variability statement. is much greater. You know, you take Real. a 12-year-old in Mali and China and Iowa, and they are mostly the same in terms mm. of their physical and social behaviors. But that is not true as we move into elderhood. So how do we think about this? Well, part of it is about their – we tend to put together – uh, a few things. One is like, do you have any really serious health conditions um, that, you know, like an ongoing active cancer, for mm. example, okay. would be a game, game changer potentially. Um, but if you have some high blood pressure, some arthritis, that just means you're over 50 or 60. It's, it's not necessarily relevant. Um, so perhaps most important is functional status. Uh, well, well, Dr. Yeah. Hold on for a second. What about uh, uh, Bernie Sanders. He recently had a heart attack. Right. 
Um, should we? And he is uh, seventy-eight. I'm sorry, seventy. Uh, seventy-eight. Yes. Seventy-eight. What would be seventy-nine? We, yes. I believe. Yeah. What should we be concerned about that? I have to admit that does concern me. And why is that? Um. Well, uh, it means that his heart isn't as strong as it once was. Um, it also may be that the sort of stress and gruelingness, uh, you know, gruel of a campaign um, had an effect on him. The fact that he's as old as he is and he's had a heart attack does put him at higher risk for other events. Mm. And as we said before, it's a four-year term. Yeah. Um, so that sort of you know, it significantly increases his risk, and that yeah. concerns me. Kind of a high-pressure job, too. It's a really high-pressure job. Yeah. And uh, I think you quoted another, or others have famously talked about Jimmy Carter's remark, that yes, if, if and, he were significantly younger, like a spry 80-year-old, he couldn't do what he had to do when he was he president. Said, he believes that there should be an age limit. He says, uh -huh. I, I don't, this is Jimmy Carter, who uh, is 95 now, and in, in health and by the time we're at, when we're recording this, is having some more uh, health problems. Right. Um, he says, "I don't believe I could undertake the duties I experienced when I was president. Uh, you have to be very flexible with your mind. You have to be able to go from one subject to another and concentrate on each one adequate, adequately, and then put them together in a comprehensive way." What is he? Is he and on do track significant here? travel and sometimes not sleep and all sorts of things. Um, I don't think he's wrong. The question is, where is that line? And then perhaps as importantly, is the line in the same place for everybody? Because mm. I think what we know from geriatrics is the answer to the second part of that question is no. So that's why I was thinking, you know, how do we look at health and function? Like people tend to think, ooh, you know, heart disease or cancer, that's how we decide how healthy an older person is. Well, actually, the best predictors are things like walking speed and grip strength. Like really? in terms of whether somebody's going to end up in the hospital or dead, right? Because that's really your function and your force. Uh, so, you know, are there risks higher? Yes. But I guess I would say, you know, is risk everything? Um, yes, one person matters. But I also think we have to admit at this point that politics, like most jobs, are a team sport. It's mm -hmm. a really complicated thing. So a person who is able to surround him or herself with really smart, good people um, is better at every job there is. And so I, I watched one of the recent debates, and I think this is one where, where I quoted you in uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, at Rossmore. And for folks who are outside the Bay Area, that's a a, uh, a massive retirement community in the Bay Area, 10,000 uh, people uh, there, generally well-to-do crowd there. Yes. Um, uh, and one gentleman, I watched it with the Rossmore Democratic Club, which uh, if they are listening, I'm, I'm obligated to say that they are the nation's largest Democratic Club. This is legit. Really? Yes. They're, oh. they're, they're mass, and they're, and they're, they're kind of ornery. I've spoken to them before. They're very super sharp and they will call you on your bullshit like very, very quickly. Um, so, uh, I was watching the debate there, and one, one gentleman who's 80 years old was watching Biden in particular. And this mm -hmm. gentleman said, as we were watching, um, you know, when he, when he turned uh, 80, this guy said, you can't remember names. Uh, you can't remember words. And he said, Biden had that problem a couple of debates ago. Um, I saw Biden, this is me now speaking, Joe. Uh, I saw Biden <laughs> at a fundraiser recently in San Francisco, and he was kind of doing that thing where he was sort of, actively avoiding names sometimes. Mm -hmm. Is that something that older folks do? And should we be concerned about that? Well, so the brain changes with age. I mean, mm -hmm. anybody who's over maybe 40 or 50 recognizes that 
you know, there it's harder to access certain information. When when I was first a real doctor, sort of teaching others, I could rattle off every statistic in every journal article. Mm-hmm. And now what I say is there was just a great article about this. You know, why don't you look it up and come talk to us about it tomorrow? <laughs> um, you know, so we all start yeah. using workarounds in I'm middle gonna, age. Yes. Um, and And you know the way the body moves more slowly as we age, you know, there's a huge variability there, but the fact is that things happen a little more slowly. Now you can have a com- you can be completely cognitively intact, have no dementia, but you still will have more trouble accessing words and um, various other pieces of information. You will get to it more slowly. You'll recognize it's happening. It'll come to you later. Those are some of the things that distinguish it from having true cognitive impairment. But there is a difference. Um, the question is, is not remembering people's names more important than having good policies, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, on the, the third hand, if I, you know, if I may, um, you know, maybe you could have both in the same candidate. And I think that's what some people argue, that um, at, at some point, um, maybe Biden is spending too much energy thinking that he can't remember a name, so he's avoiding it instead of forming the relationships which would empower his presidency or studying the information that would enable him to nimbly move, as Jimmy Carter said, from Mm. topic to topic and to analyze them as thoroughly as he might. Um, But again, it's so variable. I don't think you can say 80 is the moment. Is there any, but is there any sort of um, markers we should be watching for as viewers and this is not, I don't want to be just picking on Biden because we said there's several people Absolutely. who are in, in their 70s, uh, including the president. Um, is there anything we should be watching for when we're watching uh, folks be on television or wherever we see them, uh, you know, whether it be in the debates or what have you? Anything that that's like, ooh, ooh, whoa, what's, what's going on there? Oh, it's so interesting because stress can also make give people sort of an amnesia or an amnestic moment. And if you're older and you know that the entire populace is watching and waiting for you to forget something, chances are you're (laughs) more likely to actually do it, right? Because of the stress of that. (laughs) Just ask Um, Rick Perry, former governor of Texas. Couldn't remember what three departments he wanted to eliminate. Exactly. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah. I think uh, patterns of behavior, you know, if people are consistently not remembering things or avoiding certain sorts of questions, that Mm. would be of concern to me. Um, If people are looking really tired now, I don't know if you saw, but the Washington Post had something within the last week about all the things the candidates and the, the other older leaders, you know, are doing to make their faces look sort of more vibrant, you know, and, and more, their eyes are bigger and their skin is more lustrous and, and more tan, you know, or whatever. Uh, so there's a lot of work going into us not being able to tell that they're tired, etc. But I think it's an arduous job. And so you want to see someone who can keep doing it and who can, in the debates, um, pivot and be agile with statistics and information um, if you're the sort of voter who is interested in statistics and accuracy, of course. Yes. Well, Sorry, I couldn't get I am a, from San Francisco. Yes, there, is a, the, there we go. We'll, we'll, give you, we'll let you have a couple of those. You are listening to my conversation with Dr. Louise Aronson. There's more after a short break. And now, more of my conversation with Dr. Louise Aronson. In one of the debates, um, a couple of them ago, uh, I wanted to get your take on that. When, when Julian Castro 
uh, was criticizing Biden. And again, we're going after Biden, but you know, he, he, that's where we hear, we hear most of the comments about. Um, and they were talking about uh, some policy. And uh, Castro said, you just said that. You just said that two minutes ago. Are you forgetting what you just said two minutes ago? I mean, I can't believe you just said two minutes ago that they had to buy in. This is about, about Medicare. And now you're saying they don't have to buy in. You're forgetting that. And it turns out that Biden really didn't. He, he said, actually said the words. And, but the criticism came off uh, to many as ageist. Um, and afterwards, Cory Booker said that we're at a tough point right now because there's a lot of people concerned about Joe's, Joe Biden's ability to carry the ball all the way across the end line without fumbling, of course, using a football uh, analogy there. Yes. But is that stuff ageist or how did how did you read that? Or was it or is it not? Is it just there? This is just tough politics. And hey. Uh, right. Well, I, I think it was probably partly ageist. I mean, it behooves the younger candidates when the older ones are ahead in the polls to try and plant seeds of doubt in the minds of voters. On the other hand, Biden has fumbled over his words for as long as he's been in politics, right? So yeah. again, looking for patterns of behavior and changes in cognitive performance. These aren't necessarily new for him. Um, if we contrast that with Ronald Reagan um, many years ago now, but there were clearly some changes evident. And the formal diagnosis didn't come for many years, but we actually know that most people who have what he had, Alzheimer's-type dementia, and there are many dementias, uh, it proceeds really slowly. And the diagnosis usually comes when people are in the moderate phase. So is it worth looking for? I, you know, I think and the, so. And the belief but... was that Reagan was was coming down with that in his second term, correct? Right. Yeah. Yes. Were we was if you I know it's hard to go back thirty five years now or thirty years, but is that did you remember seeing anything that that Reagan was doing uh, at that time? Because I you know Ooh, well you know if it's that long ago I'm not sure I was a geriatrician yet, but um, <laughs> but having looked at some of that um, yeah. in retrospect, there were things that were certainly concerning and that people noted. Uh, so I think he was having perhaps what we now call mild cognitive impairment, um, which is was does is not always a precursor to dementia or Alzheimer's disease in particular, um, but often is. It significantly increases a person's risk. Mm. Um, so probably that was going on, but we also didn't talk about mild cognitive impairment that long ago. It's a relatively recent addition to our sort of diagnoses for late life cognitive impairment. Now, I'm... I'm not a fan of, of folks, you know, diagnosing uh, without seeing a uh, someone in, in uh, personally. But is there anything you notice with the president, uh, mm -hmm. who is seventy three, about uh, any signs of aging there that that, that are con that are concerning? <laughs> not political signs, <laughs> we, right? Right? We right. examine those in a not, we examine those in all the rest of the podcast. But well, but, yeah, I have to admit that I find it so painful to watch and listen that I very maturely tend to not do what I should do as okay. a responsible citizen um, because it just makes me irate. I think it ages me. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, so I probably have not had enough exposure to comment. Um, I think I'm, I'm, 
there's so much else going on that one might call lying that it you know it would be hard to fully assess to, to sift whether that out from so confabulation is making something up to fill a deficit in in your memory, um, which can happen both intentionally and unintentionally if someone has a cognitive impairment hmm. and can't quite remember and they kind of fill in with what makes sense for them hmm. and that is different than explicitly lying and you know misleading people, hmm. um, but. But if you don't know the person's intent and you don't know their mental condition, it would might be hard to distinguish those things. Hmm. Okay. What um, uh, the uh, the Pew Research recently did a study that said um, only three percent of Democratic voters think that the '70s is the optimal age for the for a president. Uh, most say '50s are about right. Is it, what is what does that say? I know in your book there's a sort of a thread where you talk about ageism a lot. What, what is that just what does that say about American culture? Is that changing or, or what, what's your take on that? I think it's that culture is, a, you know, moves slowly and changes slowly and that we're kind of set in some ways in the realities of the 20th century when we think about aging. So in the 20th century, we nearly doubled our lifespan right. and most of the decades of extra life we get accrue to later adulthood and to what I'm calling elderhood. So if old age begins somewhere between the ages of 60 and 70 then people live 20, 30, 40, or 50 years in elderhood. Um, and we haven't quite realized that many people, even most people, are what would have previously been considered middle age. So when people make a comment I actually love, which is that 70 is the new 50. Oh, yes. In, yeah, I love that I, one. I yes. kind of hate that because it's sort of saying there's <laughs> nothing good about being 70, which again uh, doesn't actually correlate with people's experience of life. But anyway, that's a different, I was, I was that's a different looking, podcast. I, thought, I read that optimistically. Like, you know, when you're 70, that's the new 50. And then well, yeah. And so I'm acknowledging yeah. that yeah. part of that is true because the fastest growing segment of the American workforce is people in their 70s. So the candidates yeah. are actually mirroring what is happening to all of us. Mm -hmm. Retirement was set at a time when the average age of death was 67, and now most people will live 20 years longer. Mm. We also have, so there are two things. One is your lifespan, and the other is your health span. And our health span is much longer. So people are cognitively and physically able to do things that we used to do in middle age and adulthood well into elderhood now. We are, you know, kind of like people don't realize that adolescence didn't exist as a time of life until child labor laws and the Industrial Revolution. That means it's less than 150 years old. And yet, mm. you know, try and deal with American culture avoiding adolescence. Totally impossible. <laughs> so we are the generation yes. that is redefining this new stage of life, um, which many of the candidates fall into. I don't know that 50s are the the best. You know, people are more st often more stressed, advantaged people. Um, and I think we could argue that the people who have the wherewithal to run for office are generally in the advantaged group, um, tend to have much higher levels of anxiety and less happiness in middle age and hmm. become more happier, you know, more happier, become happier, more confident. <laughs> I do know my grammar. Um, uh, and it's not more, a sign, is it? More no, clear on priorities. Gosh, I hope not. It'd be really early, which would be very disappointing. Um, <laughs> uh, but be much clearer on priorities. Uh, and in some mm -hmm. ways, 
you know, we, we tend to focus only on the negatives of old age when we talk about the older candidates and, and we focus less on the positives, um, that the understanding that is gained over a long life of things uh, being more popular and less popular, of things changing, of the values that really matter, of the short-sightedness of politics and the long-term harms that are often done, and a person who doesn't have his or whole career ahead of them or isn't in their 50s with 40 years of ambition going might <laughs> focus more on doing the right thing instead of the thing that will get him or her elected again the mm. next time around. Oh, that's interesting. So I think there are a variety of advantages. And as with all things old age, we tend to speak of the negative and, you know, just ignore the positive. Yeah, that's uh, I think when some people be listening to this, there be might be heading to grandma and grandpa's house for uh, Thanksgiving. Uh -huh. uh, and so what are some things to keep in mind, some positives about, you know, when you're hanging out with grandma and grandpa or your, your godmother or grand, godfather, whatever, uh, that, that, that might be, you know, a, that to keep in mind was, as this has mostly been like, you know, as, as you alluded to just now, people falling down and, and deteriorating. <laughs> what, what are some positives about, about, you know, being in your seventies and eighties and beyond? Right. So there are so many things. People are often um, emotionally more healthy and, and have perspective on things because they've seen things that, you know, might have sent them into a crisis earlier. And they're like, ah, oh, that went OK. It worked out um, their issues. So when, yeah. when you look at emotional intelligence, I mean, there's a little bit of mixed data, but overall it seems to go up. Mm -hmm. Um it's also true that when you look at diversity of workplaces, and I'm assuming the same holds true of families, although I haven't seen studies of this, um, the diversity quotient that leads to the most highly functional and productive teams is having people of different ages. Mm. Um, and I think we tend to look at workers and assume we want um, what's often referred to as equality. We want the same thing from everyone. And it turns out the most functional teams, maybe the most functional political teams, maybe the most functional families are ones that don't look for the same thing from everybody, but look for what's called equity. Look for something of value from everyone. Um, recognize that people have different needs and different strengths at different ages. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe you do trades, you know, like um, grandma and grandpa or your parents might have some pretty good wisdom on dating advice or work advice or, you know, should you put all your money in that or should you wait and see given what's going on? Um, and, you know, maybe the tire needs changing and it's getting a little harder to, you know, turn the ja the the bolts or something to get the old tire off. And so you can help with that with your greater strength, which you tend to have in youth. Um, I was tempted to go with the, the computer thing, right? Which is, but <laughs> yes. again, that's somewhat cliched. Although, yeah. you know, if they're asking you about Snapchat, they might need a hand with that. Yeah, I even need a hand with that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, and I'm not to that point yet. Um, Dr. Aronson, thank you so much for being on It's All Political. It was really fun. Thanks for having me. I'd like to thank you all for listening. I'd like to thank Dr. Aronson for coming into the studio today in San Francisco to record today's podcast. I'd like to thank the king, King Kaufman, and the great one, Karen Creighton, for producing today's podcast. And remember, whether you're too old to be president, not old enough, or just old and in the way, it's all political. It's All Political is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is our editor-in-chief. Our music, our theme music that we have is Cattle Call. That's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. If you like this show, subscribe, rate, and review it 
on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more great journalism like this, subscribe to the San Francisco Chronicle at sanfranciscochronicle.com slash subscribe. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Garofoli. Thanks.